Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of July 2018. I hope you're all enjoying some of this summer uh, because uh, it gets rather humid at this time of year up in Ontario, Canada and elsewhere too, of course, in some regions of the planet. And we do go through these warming and cooling phases all the time. Always remember that. Most folk can't remember very far back in the past. And you can even look back into World War II's histories there. We had really hot, hot summers at times too. The tar was melting on the roads in, in the UK in some places. So don't think that anything that happens in a, uh, a little bit more or less of one thing or the other is a crisis. Because it's not. It's always been this way. But we do live in a, a society, in a world with big agendas and big techniques of managing vast populations of peoples, always through deception, basically, uh, because we've been studied so much for so incredibly long by those in power. And fear is awfully good for getting you to obey and getting you to give more cash or allowing more money to be taken off of your income to save the world, save the planet, and, and, and save the multi-trillionaires, things like that. But before I get into all that kind of stuff, I'd like to just mention too, because I, I tend to forget, that you can buy the books and discs I have up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And that helps me tick along here, because it costs money, naturally, to just keep uh, all these websites going. And you can also buy discs of uh, the talks they've given over many, many years. They're all listed at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Remember, too, the only sites where you'll find my books for sale and my discs are my own sites. And, and uh, as, as I say, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and a few other ones listed there, uh, they'll tell you that the official sites I have, anything else is bogus and a con because there are people out there that just take my name and put them up there in different uh, outlets for selling uh, books and so on. And people think it's me, but it's not me at all. So be very, very careful of the con men out there. And there's lots of them, because that's the world in which we live, isn't it? Remember, too, you can also buy one of the books, uh, which is called uh, Waiting for the Miracle. And it's available also, uh, as well as English, and it's also in Spanish and Portuguese, for those who are interested. Now we'll get into this this so-called reality that we live in, which most of it is fiction for most folk, because it truly is fiction. We're managed so carefully by the craftsmen of the imagination, you might say. I've been thinking a lot about that for a long time. Mind you, I've been thinking about that for a long, long time indeed, because most of it is through your entire life. You watch the rackets go on from childhood, and you watch the, the cons that go on from childhood. And you watch the, the rubbish they give you is for called news. And if you're wise enough and curious enough, you can ask elders when you're a child, for instance, about how life's changed in their time, their lifetime. To understand that the big, big revolution uh, that's been ongoing since the so-called glorious revolution in Britain uh, is also what's responsible for all the massive changes, even to gender shifts and things like that today. It's all part of the same revolution, you know, by the same organizations at the top. They really run the world. And 
during the communistic eras, which is still with us, really, they also talked about uh, separation of generations. Uh, don't talk to anyone over 40. And then it kept like, lowering the age so that people, children at school would think that the only ones who were hip, as they called it, to talk to were young teachers. They had more in common with them. But don't talk to the old fogies, the folk who'd been through wars and things like that, or great depressions like your grandparents, and etc., or even two world wars. Don't talk to them. They've nothing to tell you. They're old fogies, etc. It's astonishing how that really was a mantra and how it worked so well on a whole generation who really didn't have any, any faith at all in their parents, for instance. Neither did they even try to understand why the parents were the way they were, why they were so frugal at times, and so worried about food. They think because they had lived through rationing through the Great Depression into World War Two. Very simple. And if you have an understanding that authorities can cause these things to happen, like Great Depressions and World Wars, you should listen very intently to the people who actually lived through it all. Because the real stories are not in the history books. That's intentional as well. They always say that histories are made by the victors. And they, they expunge their own complicity in causing wars, etc. to happen in the first place. Very, very true. But going a step further, I mean, 9-11 was a great one. And because, as I say, the, the dust had hardly cleared from the towers coming down before the books were churned out by authorised historians as to the official version, which was nonsensical. It was as nonsensical as AIDS coming out. Oh, it started in a, in a cave, maybe probably by bats in Africa somewhere. We're rubbish. We're utter tripe. But this is, this is the kind of thing that they do. When big things happen, they have their official nonsensical stories ready to go. And they stay. They're, they're carved in stone for then on. Everything else is, is ridiculed as a conspiracy theory. Quite amazing, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? And so, conspiracy theories are never substantiated, they claim. And yet, the histories they give you at school are full of just that very Guy Fox and the cabal that was working with him. And the Queen Elizabeth's group, too, that was working like a secret service that never stopped existing. And at the time, it was to get rid of all the, the Catholic factions within England. Conspiracies, indeed. And that's all histories happen to be, conspiracies. Or the Japanese plan to, to bomb Pearl Harbor, lying about up to the end with their ambassadors. Oh, we, you know, oh we're still friends, blah, 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 and boom. That's how it's done. So why split hairs and just call it, well, it's diplomacy, blah, 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 blah. But no, no, conspiracy is conspiracy. Look at the cons that went on to plunder the planet in 2007 and 2008 with the, the big financial collapse. For quite a few years, the big boys were grabbing mortgages that were getting sold en masse, jacking up the prices, and, and then selling them off again until eventually, even after the big crash, they still haven't figured out who really owns a lot of these, these mortgages or, or houses today. All what we do know is, is that millions of people end up in tent cities. And no one went to prison for that. But that took planning. 
it took as much planning as George Soros, where he got a couple of his pals together and, and collapsed the British economy by betting on the pound. But it was, there was nothing illegal in it, he said, and it wasn't nasty. There was not, not, it wasn't personal. It was just business. Does that make you feel better? And that's how it's really done, isn't it? A few get together and conspire, that's what conspiracy is, to do something which they would, they, they would be hunted for by the general public if the public knew what had happened. George Bush Jr. said something similar. He said, because he was with a neocon group that had manufactured this ongoing war and contrived it through fallacy, basically, pre-planned wars, with countries to be taken out for the neocons. And he said, if the public ever find out what, what we've been up to and what we've done, he says they'll chase us down the streets with ropes. Go look that one up. Conspiracies happen all the time. All the time. And people who lie like that to get big things going will stick to their lies till forever, basically. You understand another thing, too, awfully important in the, in the system in which we, I'll, I'll say, exist, because we don't really live, do we? And that is the power of people who take oaths. A tremendous power. Tremendous power. You understand that. They aren't just saying, oh, yes, I will. When you get cabals there, they've gone up through different, you might call it degrees in a sense. It doesn't matter if it's military or any other thing. It's the same kind of thing. That's what they call orders, you see. And they've learned to back each other up and be awfully complicit in backing each other up all the time. And no matter if it's right or wrong, you back them up. Like the old saying, my country right or wrong. And they will. And when the neocons literally lied about all the information as to what happened with the towers, as though they didn't know, and they wanted all the, the negative information and, and theoretical information, like theories of, of, of the Middle Eastern countries that might be involved, embellish it a lot, and then only accept the stuff that suited their, their war agenda, and threw out all the stuff that, that uh, basically opposed all that and showed you that nothing to do with it. That's called a conspiracy. When they came out, all, and different members of the cabinet around, around Bush, and each one, when interviewed, would say, weapons of mass destruction, until we were sick of hearing it. Uh, that's their mantra. They'll all say the same thing. They've all sworn to say the same thing. And that's what they do. It's the th- same thing with Chatham House rules, you'll find out. This is all connected. Neocons, Chatham House, Milner Group, and so on, all the way back. It's all connected. And Chatham House rules, of course, um, they give them rules of what they can say to the public and should say to the public as a unified front and what not to say to the public. And these Chatham House rules apply even to the Royal Institute for International Affairs, to the CFR in America, Council on Foreign Relations and the European Council on Foreign Relations for all the politicians that pretend to stand up for different countries in Europe at the Parliament, European Parliament. When you have people who swear oaths like that, it's a front and an affront to the public. That's the reason they do it. Their allegiance is not to the public, far from it. 
the allegiances to each other. And they will lie their teeth off through thick or thin, through plague, famine, or warfare, and never tell the truth. They're sworn to do that. And the deeper they go into it, the more so there's, there's less chance of them ever, ever cracking, or any of them cracking and opening them. And they're scared to open their mouth because, believe me, these oaths are very real with their consequences. We're given occasional examples of, of secrecy, which has been detrimental to the public, and the public have often died as a result, lots of them at one time. Like Coventry in World War II, the city. Now the British had the, the, the German codes, the secret codes they had, they'd broken the codes of the, the German Air Force and so on, and their plans for this, that, and the other. So they knew Coventry was scheduled for a bombing and a particular night too. They had all the accurate details about it. But Churchill and the, the gang decided that it was, it was even if, if they lost hundreds and hundreds of people in that city, uh, to get the people to evacuate and get ready for, for a massive air raid. That would warn the Germans, and then they'd have to go back to square one and learn the codes, the new codes, and try to find and crack them afterwards. And so they let the, the, the city be bombed. Now, those in charge of it and intelligence were all part of it. They were sworn to secrecy, and the public suffered massively. But don't think that was the only occasion that that happened. Don't think that for an instant. This is pretty typical in uh, what they call wartime. And again, too, they justify, oh, it's wartime. And in total war, of course, which is what they've been using since, after, well, since pretty well World War I, really, where the civilian population are also targets, massive targets. That was designed, by the way, in Britain and taught at Sandhurst in the 1930s, early 1930s, late 20s and early 30s. And even a German officer attended that and learned it for the German side. It was later on, of course. But uh, he understood it too, that the, con, the, the next war was to be total war, where civilians had no protection, and they would be targeted for definite, definite ends, for putting pressure upon their governments to stop the wars and so on. So, secrecy is something you should always be incredibly weary of and mistrustful of. Secrecy, when it really comes from powerful institutions, is nefarious. It can't, you, you can never trust it. It shouldn't be allowed, actually. Especially when you have people involved in secrecy that are supposedly serving the public. And you have a double-mindedness. How are you going to have people, for instance, too, who belong to secret, well, secretive organizations, put it that way, very common ones, which you, you're taught are there for charitable works and so on. But uh, they get into positions of local government all the way up to federal governments in countries, and they're already sworn allegiance to another or to the, or the organization they belong to. Anything else is secondary, so they can't really stand and protect the public on anything. They can't be trusted, obviously. And yet we're trained by these organizations, including the thing called government, that secrecy is really imperative and you have to accept it. Meanwhile, I, mean, I haven't seen a country yet that, that opens its books to the public. 
and says, here's what we took from you in different taxations, and, and they show you levels of it, where it all came from, and the total figures, etc. And where it all goes. You just don't get that, do you, from these servants? The whole thing is moronic. Why even call it a servant or a public servant when they won't even let you know, the master, uh, what they're even getting for a salary? Huh? I mean, the whole thing is moronic. But again, we live under covers of things, many covers. And the last people to know anything really are supposed to be the public. That's Machiavelli, of course. He was quite honest about it. That was his profession, was telling and teaching folk how to lie on behalf of kings and queens. They were the governments of old and those who worked for governments, their ministers, teaching them how to always keep the public in the dark and never tell them the truth and how to deceive them, in fact, and even how to divert them off of main topics and to other trivial things and how to use entertainment, even in the Middle Ages, to divert them and so on. Today it's just too easy, isn't it? Because you seldom have a minute of peace and quiet to, to yourself. If you do, you immediately look for someone else to fill the void through radio, television, internet, whatever it happens to be, your cell phone. Noise, noise, noise. Someone else's thoughts are supposed to occupy that space called silence. In your mind And you've been trained that that's normal A lot of folk can't stand it anymore They, they can't go to sleep without television on Or something on Or even just flashing lights on a screen They can't go to sleep at all They're, they're afraid actually It frightens them City folk are, are, When they come into the country for the first time And they're born and bred in the city Are often a bit scared If they come into a country situation A countryside situation Or rural area Where there's not noise It's uncanny to them And a bit frightening A lot, a lot of them have told me themselves They could never live outside the city Whereas I can't live in a city with the fire engines and police cars and noise all the time. So you understand, too, to manage the world, everything is weaponized. It's always been like that, though. It's weaponized. Because if you conquer a society by telling them they're free, don't have children, don't get married, and so on, uh, then someone else is in charge of it all, not you. I can remember when parents used to stand up for each other, in communities, I really mean physically, <laughs> and even at school. If something went on at school that wasn't quite right, or, or a teacher, say in Britain, was just too happy with, with the strap, that was the, the leather belts they had, and used it a bit too often with glee, which happened occasionally with a sadist, uh, then you'd find parents up there ready to knock some, put, I mean, put this way, knock some sense into that teacher. And teachers didn't have the protections that they have today, like some sort of overlord of the community. They were literally employees of the community, and no one had any problems with it. And no one had any problems that the parents had responsibility over their children. Not the state. No one dared question the parents' rights back then. And how they've changed it all, eh? How they've changed it all. Like Bertrand Russell said, well, simply taking the ability of parents away from them to rule over their children, and the state will be in charge of giving the child 
their education and their culture and moralities. It's all been done, you see, very slickly. Through the wars, through the, especially through the early 60s, when all really was launched, the sexual revolution, the cultural revolution. and Again, uh, like Bob Dylan was put out there to say, to the parents, get out of the hallway, don't stand in the hallway. You know, the times here are changing. You mothers and fathers throughout the land, don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. <laughs> and you thought it all came from the children? <laughs> and it didn't come from Dylan either. But anyway, that's what, that's what you live through. Constant manipulation by powerful groups. And there's always one powerful group at the top, today especially, that runs pretty well everything. But the greatest thing, again, is to make the, the ones you want to use think that they're free or you're giving them more freedoms so that you can then use them. They don't even know they're involved in a war of some kind. They have no idea at all. None at all. But tonight, I'll just touch on a few things, not too much. Because it, we really are at the end of, a, of an era, aren't we? And I, I mentioned it back in the 1990s on radio, worldwide radio at the time that the internet would be a, a pretty well short-lived thing. I mean, you'll have it, but its initial purpose and function of giving a voice to people who never had it before would be short-lived. And it's pretty well been accomplished, as reigned in all the, the rights that you had and the abilities to have alternative outlets for your information. They're, they're getting pulled away from you and pulled away from you and pulled away from you. In the U.S., they had a bigger operation for the public at one point because they had, still had a memory of what rights are supposed to be, even if they never really had them, they had what they're supposed to be. And it's a massive movement at the time with many, many radio stations putting on basically your rights, your, your, your rights as Americans. It shows, basically. They called it the Patriot Organizations at the time. And it's all been compromised and taken over by elimination, by a group behind another group that forced it to the front until it's in the open now. It's just another massive political party. And not even an American party, really, but it fronts as one. Long-term planning, long-term takeover to use the U.S., to use it as a big war machine for someone else. Sad that, but that's how things are really done. Deception is a natural thing within human society because human society is always under attack by people who want to take it over. It doesn't matter what particular society it is. There's always those who want to take it over and be the kingpins. That's why you have wars. That's why you have internal wars. That's why you have uh, the same thing in business. Business is, is nasty. Business is really, really nasty. It is simply a, a smaller version of a national version called government. That's what business is. In all businesses, you get people who want to take over. You get the psychopathic groups out there. They've, years ago, they, they put out a few good documentaries on psychopaths in the business world. And believe you me, there are men and women as far as I'm concerned, are probably equal in, in the trying to take over and get to the top by doing their workmates in, basically, verbally, or setting them up for a fall, or whatever it happens to be. It, it happens all the time, every day. And government is much the same. 
Ambition is a rather deadly thing when it comes to power. And as I say, beneath all the all the smiling faces, the big, big do's, where it's corporate or governmental, there's a lot of teeth uh, literally chomping away underneath those lips uh, as they would love to get rid of their rivals. And psychopaths pretty well run the show. The danger comes when you have an organ- a very, very old organization that recruits everybody that wants to come in. And they can select who they want to put up to the top and so on. And the psychopaths who get up near the top have been taught and taught and taught that they must learn to cooperate with other psychopaths. And the brighter ones do. And they're, they're put up on ahead. Don't do in your fellow psychopaths. You can work together as a team and then you all benefit. You've all seen the old documentaries, I'm sure, or read the books on, on different uh, gangs of the 1920s and 30s and so on. And how you'd have a kingpin uh, in every little sector of a city extorting money from the public, which reminds you of government because that's how they live too. And they would threaten people who, who wouldn't pay up for protection. We get the same thing and it's called taxation. And you'd find too that have occasional rivalries as they fought over turf. Eventually, they learned after their little wars and internal wars with each other that if they compromised and divided up the, the, the takings for the whole city and, and divided up properly, then they, they could live in peace, all benefit with less blood, etc., and less police down their necks. In fact, they'd have more money then to bribe the police forces and go to the same organizations where they can all call each other brethren and so on. And that's what you have right up to the present day. Nothing changes. If you re- really listen to swearing-in ceremonies of countries like Canada and the British Empire system, they call it the Commonwealth today. And the reason they call it the Commonwealth is because the elite take the, the commoners' wealth from all of them. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know what they claim, but I'm, I'll tell you what, <laughs> what I think it is. And also... You, you, you'll find, watch them swearing in ceremonies. And there's nothing about, about the public anywhere. It's legalities like corporate titles, like, like the name of, of a country, which is a corporate entity, but not the people. It's not done in, in, in the mall. It's not done at all. And then if you get into the US system, you really have to dig into what they mean by the people. Like we, the people, you'll find in, there are actually religions out there that don't recognize people outside of it as actual people. You know that too, don't you? But secrecy, as I say, is, is, the, is the most vital thing in governments for, for protecting themselves. And it's always secrecy uh, against the people. I mentioned before, too, even what we used to get me to was um, propaganda. An in-depth study on propaganda is fascinating. And they'll go through all the old stuff. Oh, and the Catholic Church came up with the term propaganda. But it's a different meaning then. It really was. It was meaning, it literally was meant to be, you put out what you, what you wanted to say, basically. And you'd sit back waiting for, for people to give their comments on it. Where today, propaganda, basically, is just mantras over and over, like political mantras or... Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, whatever it happens to be, mantra, mantra, mantra. 
And if you're hearing it all the time, you know it's a political party and organisation behind what you're hearing, regardless of the front they pretend to be under. But it's so perfect today, this whole thing of, of propaganda. And if, if you eventually only have, and, and you've either bribed or eliminated everybody that said a different kind of propaganda out of the picture, then you've got a uniform propaganda across the board. And that's what the people will think is normal, that whatever that what lie, and it will be a lie, but they'll think it's all, all the ultimate truth. Because they've, they've given nothing else to look at. It's very much like the Cold War, for instance, and history before this world order, as they want to call it, this unified United Nations kind of organization. Because they used to form leagues at the time between countries, different leagues, uh, to, to try and get on board with war activities and trade as well. Because war will interfere with trade. And, and, and war is also good for certain trades, as you well know. But propaganda was awfully, awfully important. And today you've got this world order, but you've got no enemies, to, not, not real, not real, real enemies to speak of. I mean, it was good at one time to say, oh my God, look, look what they're doing over in France. They're chopping everybody's heads off, you see. And, and no matter how bad it was, say, back in Britain, with mass poverty at times, and so on. There was no welfare system back then, remember you. They didn't even have poor houses till later, but and even they were bad enough. I think you could maybe survive for five months max in a poor house before you died. And that went right on up until the beginning of the 20th, into the 20th century, actually, the poor houses, in a so-called civilized nation. You just don't get the truth about things, is what I'm saying. It's propaganda. Or that after, for instance, Wellington's big, big uh, wins in the military, when the troops were brought home back to Britain, journey at Bristol or in the ports of London and so on, by ship, and they demobbed them in his day. Remember, there was no welfare at the time. There was no real military pay after that, or maybe a, a token as a pension. But uh, they were dropped off, uh, a lot of them still wounded and all that. There's no hospital care, National Health Service. They ended up being vagabonds on the streets. So he brought in the first uh, vagrancy laws to, to imprison them. If they wouldn't move, well, they, they, didn't even, they couldn't even read or write. A lot of them didn't even know where their countries were in Great Britain. And a lot of them were, were simply picked up again and put off as convicts and indentured servants to populate Canada and Australia and other countries as well. History... As I say, it's a horror show. It's a horror show. And yet there isn't a country that can watch the more modern movies about, oh, look, look at, here's Wellington and his armies, blah, blah, and he's the Scots, and here's the English, and so on, all fighting these common enemies and so on. And, and, and uh, everybody feels proud about it. It's the easiest thing to do, since we're all belonging to some tribes in some way or another. But it's in your genes, I think. But it's so far removed from reality. Because who benefits from all that? Who benefited then from it all? Think about it. And remember, too, that people like H.G. Wells, who worked for the Fabian Society, the founding member of it, one of the founding members, that simply was a member, a, a group of the same group, the Milner Group for the left wing, 
to get all their workers on board with them because you must always create the problems and then control both factions that will dispute and then you come to your resolution, you know. And uh, that's how you do it. It's always the same thing. So you must make sure it's the same organization at the very top uh, that runs it all. You can't get change without at least two sides being created. So you have planned change, and you always make sure that you're in charge of the change. Or an organization that really is one of your own under a different guise. The Hegelian dialectic technique, of course. And it's awfully, awfully, uh, it's still used today. Uh, it's in your face today, in fact. So much. Where you even have now, <laughs> which had to happen, this push towards multi-genders and so on, where you've got guys who demand to be called women who are competing in women's sports and so on, and, and the women are, are, are chagrined about it all. Because they don't think it's right. And so on. And you're going to get more and more of all this going on all the time as, as people get fed up with it all. But it's part of the ongoing revolution for that people don't... They think it's just spontaneous coming out of nowhere. If you want to think it's spontaneous, just do a search, a general search, on how to get grants and go into the, all these different organizations for different sections of, of types or whatever they might call themselves and NGOs, and you, you'll see it all. And there's all these foundations and government grants as well, uh, all, all backing up. Do you understand, too, the power, the incredible power that Weishaupt talked about? He says, we'll, we'll take over and manage the world through foundations and philanthropy. Because you can then change the world until you end up running it all. Government is simply there to pass the laws that you demand are passed. You're running it, you see. And that's what we have today, isn't it? The foundations, their power and influence. That book, remember? The Rees Commission and so on. So, yeah, I mean, look at the, the CFR today. It calls itself a think tank. It also calls itself, in their own documentary they put out a while back, the establishment that runs everything. But they're also the main advisors to government. Well, do you vote them in? No. Do you see them running on election time? No. But they decide what news you're going to have, or what is news, and what will not be said as news. They're, they decide on what's going to be unified, a unified story, or theme, or meme. And the press runs with it, etc. And look at all the top think tanks out there. They're all part, they're all splinters or specialized areas of the same groups. That's what they are. And you don't vote any of them in. The public that thinks that they know it all because they vote for so-and-so, they haven't got a clue that these things even exist, most of them. But that's what runs the world. They even have links out there to, to sites which tell from the, from the United Nations and UNICEF telling them how to get all these different grants as well and how to change the world and teachers toolkits for schools across the planet to change the world along the same politically correct agendas that you're so familiar with today and there's no public input anywhere 
Isn't that something? Hmm? Yeah, everyone thinks we're free. Well, I've never had so much sex. And some people can, can ride their bikes down main cities and start naked in groups and in front of children even. It just makes no difference. Or, or different genders, put it that way as well. In front of different genders or people who might be offended. But it doesn't matter if they're offended or not because it, they don't matter anymore. They don't belong to any group. The general public don't belong to any special rights group. Isn't that amazing, eh? And yet you all think that you're somehow progressing. They call it progressive society. Progressive politics. Progressive. Progressing to what? We're progressing to the stage of total dysfunction. And out of the chaos comes the order. Ordo ab chaos. Because we're all going to be diagnosed as basically mentally ill and not mature enough to make rational decisions in our own lives. And we must be guided from birth to death by specialists on an individual basis with us. And you think I'm making this up, do you? Over the years, I've given you countless (laughs) examples from authoritative sources about these very topics. But people don't want to believe it. Like Jack C. Law said, awfully good philosopher, that most folk really don't learn anything except through osmosis. It, it, it filters into their mind through a thousand little tiny bits and bites of articles that they hear on radio or, whatever, or TV or somewhere, but they, they don't stop and say, I'm going to go through this particular topic from A to Z. It doesn't, doesn't happen with them. But they'll somehow find themselves having opinions which they haven't even thought through. About most things, by the way. These are the sciences that Aldous Huxley talked about to be used on the general public. To which they'd be completely unaware of how it was done to themselves. They think We always think we're in charge. Oh, I, I keep that decision myself. Yeah. I stand up for these or that or whatever it happens to be. Because I thought it, no, you didn't think it through at all. But that's how it, it comes into people's minds, through osmosis. It kind of filters through the ether to them <laughs> and through their, into their heads. In this very noisy, noisy world we're in. And back in the 1990s, as I've said before, they already had, amongst culture wars and, and information warfare, and big headlines in all newspapers, oh, the coming, this coming system, meaning the internet, we might lose control. Who's we? We never had control. If they're talking about the public. They're talking about the agencies that protect all governments and, and corporations for businesses and so on. Because all wealth comes from the general population, one way or another. And you've got this hierarchy all feeding off of you. If you're unaware of all of that, you're called the profane. You're the dark part of the pyramid. You're the dull blocks you see on the dollar bills pyramid. Where's the caps on the top? Or the, for the lumined ones that, that where all the cash goes to, you know? Slavery's always been here, Charles Galton Darwin. In his own book, The Next Million Years. Slavery's always been here in some form or another, and I presume it always will be. Aldous Huxley said something very similar. And all the other ones they know said similar things too. We've seen too the workers' paradise that was called the Soviet system. 
utopia for the people. It was a system, like all systems of control, based on fear, where those around you are trained to turn you in. The East German system was even better with the Stasi. And some of the Stasi members, remember, are now working for for a unified Germany under Merkel. In the paper, it's been published before. And the Stasi would literally pick up people in the streets. They knew who everybody was, naturally. And say, so-and-so, if you, you know, I want you to tell me what your fellow workers, this one and that one and that one, are actually saying about this topic. Introduce a topic and tell me what they say about it. And if you wouldn't comply with that, then you're threatened with getting put into prison or worse. And so you go out and, and you'd, you'd create a situation which would entrap people just with general conversation, what do you think of so-and-so? Well, so-and-so's asked me, they're okay. I'll give them a piece of my mind. Well, it's, next thing you know, they get rounded up. Does this sound familiar? Because we're now in a stage of censorship. And what might appear as common sense to you can get you into trouble for answering a question, a theoretical question can be dangerous, and it's getting to be very dangerous now for those who haven't quite caught on what's going on. Planned that way, too. There are world rulers, there always have been, who've run all systems, who gave you the free trade system, who set up the World Trading Organization, who set up the GATT Treaty, General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, who decided to, to move all your, your, your factories to China, And the same people are now telling you, oh, be very wary of China to stir up back home. Don't be scared with all this nonsense. It's drama. Drama. And those who are manipulating the stock market are laughing up their sleeves as they pull the money in a full panic and start going for panic buying, this, that, and the other. Oh, my God. If China starts producing, we won't even be able to make a dishcloth, which is pretty well true. So do you really think they're going to have any problems with China? No, no. It's all drama. It's as fictional as your television shows. The people who gave you so-called free trade, which is not free, it's limited and selective trade by big corporations, keep everybody else out, you see, are not going to pull out of China. And now they're pretending that they just noticed that the balance of trade is completely one-sided. Well, it was designed to be one-sided by the same people who are hollering about it today. China, for instance, didn't have to pay any import duties or anything like that at all for 15 years to begin with. Then after 15 years, they could sign on for another 15 years. And the same with all up-and-coming, what they call emerging nations, India's another one. They're all doing the same thing. And they can put restrictions on any, anything you're sending into their countries to buy. They can restrict it. They're allowed to do that under the, the agreements, the, the so-called legal agreements. There's nothing new in this at all. What you're seeing is drama. Massive drama. Because you don't get real news anymore. And this is a new technique. Keep you afraid, always on edge, but never tell the public the truth. Give them lots of sex stuff and trivia across the whole planet, but no truth whatsoever. That's really the new technique. 
Haven't you noticed that? And back in the 90s, as I said, the late 90s, I, I said the same thing. The internet was a short-lived thing. Because once they had the complete technique of managing it all, uh, then you'll be more bewildered than ever before. You have a period of, of understanding, a lot of information, and then complete bewilderment, and that's what you got. That's what you've been given, folks. You don't get much at all now. Lots of rubbish stories and things that happen to individual people. Nothing that's going to change the world or affect you. But you think it's, still, you think it's more news than ever. No, it's called data. Useless data. Chatter. Chatter. That's what it is. Doesn't affect anything. Doesn't change anything. But you think there's more of it. What it does with data is overload you. Now, I've read the articles even from the top think tanks years ago in the defense departments, saying they're not too worried about it because the overload of data that was coming would negate any, any active participation for real change. Change that was guided by the public, for instance. All changes you're seeing around you are mandated changes, by the way, from the top, not from the bottom. I'm going to rattle off a few articles. I'll put up links for for those who want to to look through it and, and tie it in with what I'm saying here, because it just it all ties in. Here's one here, for instance. It's called "Academics Who Spent the Last Year Testing Whether Your Phone Is Secretly Listening to You." To show you how manipulated for it to start with, <laughs> not just for advertising companies. Although they always say it's oh, it's advertising. No, it's not. There's more agencies involved in it than you ever know. A data release of third-party websites, I'll put them up for you, that have replay scripts, it's called, and none. And it's all the, the big big boys, and, and how they literally are getting all your data, folks. I'll put them up for you. And there's been tests done on some of them. They've, they've found them, actually. I'm sure they all do it, but, but they actually have up there the ones who've been caught recording your, your information as you do it in real time through your computers, uh, your phones and so on. And then another one, too, to do with the gender issue. Girls are banned from wearing skirts at 40 secondary schools across England. As schools opt for gender-neutral uniforms to cater for transgender pupils and so on. And then you also have the violence issue. That's intentional, too. I give talks for years and years with the music industry and how it has been used for revolution by those who are in charge of it, who decide what's going to be popular and what kind of music is going to be popular for a while and so on. And then they gave years of what they called rap and gangster rap to affect a generation who grew up with it. And now you're getting it all over the place. In Toronto, it's like London now too. Last weekend in Toronto, they're running gun battles down Queen Street West, apparently. And again, it's the usual stuff. You see the same photographs of the same mums saying their children are so good and all that. And, you know, years of it. Promotion, promotion, promotion for young guys to be gangsters. And you're seeing it. Then Peel Police Chief says, violence is incre- it increases disturbing. Oh, it's disturbing. And the usual nonsense. The same scripts that came out back in the 90s, with the gun violence in Toronto, with the same gun, there were gangs, there were drug gangs and so on, all fighting for turf. You're hearing the same answer, oh, we've got to start, just ban the guns. They, these folk don't have licenses for guns. 
bit of ogham. And there's even cries to, to, to lock them up rather than let them go after they're caught with guns. And then they're caught with guns again with their own bail and they're let go again. Doesn't that mean that they want them to come out there and do the crimes that they're doing? Doesn't that tell you that? It tells me that, folks. Big agendas. Big agendas at work here. I'm telling you. And then you have two men dead and one woman injured in brazen downtown Toronto shooting, it's called. Oh, they're really mad, says Mary's. I'm mad about the latest gunfire. He says, they're really mad, yeah. Create the chaos. Bring in the order. Always, always think about it. Because it's nothing like you're told, but the reasons are, for it. they're planned this way. Planned this way. Just like free trade being a complete imbalance of trade uh, was designed that way. And it was all signed to be that way. You also get this on Ontario Conservatives, now that they have a supposed conservative group in, will restore sex education to pre-Win days. Win was the woman who was in charge before. They're talking about all the things that change with uh, the, 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 how they're really promoting sexual differences, put that way, as they escalate and escalate, as you all know. But that's how it's designed to be. Of course it is. Nothing happens by itself. Anything that happens in society is mandated from the very top and from these big think tanks that advise governments, who, strangely enough, always oblige to the advice they're given. Eh? Have you ever wondered about that too? It's not difficult to understand it. And because we've also had the gangster rap, well, with equal opportunity and, and warrior princess stuff all over the movies these days, you've got a young woman faces numerous gun and drug charges after allegedly hopping out of her vehicle in Toronto, arming herself with a shotgun and blasting a pedestrian as well as a passing cyclist near Moss Park early Friday, it says. So there you go. 21-year-old, eh? Oh, she gets, grabs a gun out of the back and... Blasts away, just like the movies. See, we, we have equality in Canada, too. And the police, of course, they, they raided her place, I think it was, and found lots of drugs and all the usual stuff. But at least we have equal opportunity gangsterism here. Progress, you see. Then you get, as I say, England banning skirts now for school, and they've got to all wear the same outfit. It's kind of like Matt Tung. And, and the China, remember, how they gave them all the blue uniform... So they'd all look at, like all clones of each other, male and woman, man and woman. No, no differences, you see, men and women. That's really what it is, isn't it? You can understand what's really going on here, <laughs> if you don't know already. And also, um, preschools in Sweden, actually. Sweden's progressive, it's at the cutting edge, and they're very proud of it as they go down the tubes. They also have all these different ones to do with gender-neutral preschools, etc. Isn't that wonderful? And they use the taxpayers' money to, to create it all. Isn't, again, it's not a great thing. Whatever's done to you, always, they always use your money to do it. And you don't get a choice to opt out of things with your taxes, do you? Also, an ATA toolkit guides teachers in conversations about gender diversity. For those who don't know how it was done, I'll put that up too. They come toolkits and how to, you know, how to make all the little darlings just understand and go along with what you want them to go along with. Uh, there's choice for you. <laughs> Quite amazing, eh? And uh, also, I'll put up a few other things with links in them to do with uh, to, to these toolkits and so on. 
and how to, to change a community through getting grants to change a community. The power, again, the Weishaupt talked about of NGOs. They're guided by the capstone, mind you, at the very top. The followers never know that, but the people at the top certainly do. Quite amazing system. It's really wonderful when you think about it. And another one to do with UNESCO, from United Nations, on gender equality action plans. Going back to the 90s, step by step, how they change society. Do you vote for UNESCO? No, you don't. Of course you don't. But do they tell you what to do? Well, obviously they are. Mm-hmm. And then another one, how to use the language, and the public to use the language. So once you start getting them to use the language, you're halfway there. And then you alter it a little bit more and a little bit more, and everybody's parting what you want them to parrot. And you've changed the meanings of everything so slickly. And that's how psychology is run. You know, Blavatsky talked about the same thing that uh, Aldous Huxley talked about long before Aldous. She said a technique would be brought in that would uh, be uh, very, very powerful and yet dangerous to society because of the power that it could wield by a technique to influence society's opinions and behavior unbeknownst to the people that were, that were targeted, the general population. Nothing new about it. You see, they've, they've done this before a long time ago. Techniques are old. They're maybe better honed today and you've got mass communication to make sure you all get the same indoctrinations and updates at the same time. But we'll put lots of links up on and all of that about language matters. Defines limits of your imagination. That tells you that you can alter people's opinions by giving them the language in order to alter it. <laughs> Quite beautiful, really, isn't it? <laughs> I should remember again Matsi Tong and the little red book of Mao, and they'd have to weave all the children would weave their little red books and quote it off by heart. We're pretty well getting there too, aren't we? And use all, and they get people so riled up they're ready to fight each other and, and destroy each other and and so on. All planned for much higher sources, and the folk doing all the fighting and arguing haven't got a clue it's from a much much higher source. Or the real objectives behind it all. They don't know. That's amazing, isn't it? Power. That's power, isn't it? Wow. Real power. And it's so effective. So effective. Just like as H.G. Wells again, the great propagandist for this organization. The one who helped get uh, a lot of young men killed in World War I because he came up with the idea on behalf of his masters for the papers and propaganda to make them seem like cowards and get the, the girlfriends and, and, and fiancés of, of, of guys who wouldn't go off and fight. Uh, wear feathers in your caps to show that your boyfriend or friend or even brother is a coward and he won't go and fight. Psychology, psychology. And using everybody against everybody else. For a, for a purpose the folk don't even figure out themselves. They don't know. That's amazing, isn't it? H.G. Wells, again, he also was up there in an interview, a very rare interview, on a ship. And uh, he's asked about the coming, a coming war with Germany, and he's dead accurate. This is the 1930s, maybe 34, 35, as to when it'll start and all the rest of it. He was a good guesser, wasn't he? Nothing happens by itself. Nothing. And nothing on a big scale happens by itself either. 
certain occasional earthquake, and even today they can they can help trigger it with certain kinds of explosives at certain depths at certain faults. But we're living in a very massively organized system of propaganda on a daily basis, and a lot of it, remember, comes from your fictional popular TV stuff, and including that which is, which is destroying society under the guise of of reality shows until. Monkey see, monkey do. Everybody emulates what they see and do, eh? It's all aimed at certain age groups, too. And you all know that. I get it really second-hand because I don't watch TV. I don't have TV. I've got ATV, where I used to watch VHSs on. That was all, one time. Old uh, documentaries and stuff. So I don't get the poisoning, my, my daily dose of, of updated poisoning, to destroy my thinking. And I hope maybe I can give you clues as how to try and avoid it yourselves. For those who want to, most folk don't really mind. They really don't in this day and age. They don't mind. As long as they've got enough to spend and have fun to the day they die, they don't really mind. They're egocentric. And they've been trained to be so. They look at the positive, not the negative, and, and therefore they're the world's perfect Ones to manage, really. They're quite content. Until they're starving themselves. Then they, would, they wouldn't be then, of course. But, but um, yeah, most of them are quite content at the moment. Till the next crash comes. And you'll see it changing again. But anyway, I, I'm not preaching gloom and doom. I'm, I'm only talking to occasional people. And maybe occasional youngster that knows that something really stinks. And who knows that it's all wrong around them. The system is wrong around them. And they simply want to know why things aren't working out the way they pretend it's supposed to work out for us all. And we're all supposed to be just happy as though we're some kind of machine to be programmed. And we're not. So that way maybe it can prevent a lot of people from taking drugs or bashing their heads or drinking themselves into the into depression because um, a lot of folk who have the brains to figure it out uh, don't get to, to actually a high stage of figuring it out because because they can see the corruption are all around them because they can sense techniques around them but they don't know the whys and wherefores or the histories of it once you do you stop knocking your head against the wall you might have to learn to live within your own head Especially as things become more and more dangerous today. Because it's dangerous. Like, like some of those old movies where you, the aliens are around you and they'll say, Oh, he can see, or he knows. <laughs> We're pretty well there, aren't we? We're getting tested all the time. And they're weaponizing the public around you who are falling for it all. What do you think of so-and-so? You know darn well before you open your mouth. You better just give a vague answer. Hopefully neutral in any possible way. And then you might be able to walk away intact. From myself, from Ontario, Canada, I'm Alan Watt, and it's good night. May your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>